This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. My view was it was a penalty from where I was stood. Um, you know, I thought Douglas had got too tight with... Douglas Lewis had got too tight with Pogba um, and he went down. Um, but I've just gone in the dressing room and seen it back and there's a lot of doubt. I think he's tripped himself up. Similar to Douglas when he was running back in the first half, uh, tripped himself up um, and for me there's enough doubt there and to send him over to the to the, the screen. Uh, he doesn't get sent over to the screen so um, confused but I feel he tri- trips himself over. Dubious penalty has, has lost us the game. Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast, the Aston Villa podcast that hates Manchester United more than anybody else. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOwnManSaid.com. Joining me to discuss our latest, uh, how would you describe it, painful experience? Frustrating this time, not so much painful. Frustrating. I'm angry though, I'm angry. Very angry. Our latest uh, attempt at uh, taking three points off the Manx, Mr. Chris Bird, welcome into 2021. Hello, hello. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. I fucking hate them, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to Mr. Shaw, who I know really hates them. Oh, yes. I hate them badly. It's like the knife has went in and broken off and you can never take it out. <laughs> and it's rusty. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, this podcast has three people who really don't like Manchester United. So, get ready. It's the first one of 2021. We left 2020 uh, trending at number 24 on the Spotify trending chart in the UK, whatever that's all about. So, uh, I think it officially makes us uh, trendy. And that's like 24 out of every podcast that exists in the world. So, 24... uh, I think on the stats, there's a, around just under a million active podcasts at the moment. So that's not bad. And that's just Villa ones? <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. It, although it does seem like there are a million uh, Villa podcasts. Uh, that is like every podcast out there currently. So uh, we walk into uh, 2021 trendy at least. Hopefully we've upgraded now to a podcast that talks about a top half team. But I think on the evidence of the United game, I think we will finish top half, but I don't think we'll be winning the league just because you can tell, can't you, when you get the look, the rubber, the green, especially when it comes down to penalties. Anyway, how are you uh, feeling for 2021? A lot more positive than we were this time last year, but then little did we know that 
you know, a few weeks after going and beating Burnley and losing big Wes and Heaton that we wouldn't even be able to go to games. Well, it's been one of the biggest turnarounds in certainly my time supporting Villa in the best part of like 30 years. It's quite the quite a dramatic upturn, isn't it, in a relatively short space of time? Long may that continue? Yeah, considering it was literally a ongoing circus with various new owners coming in and then we're almost within the space of uh, a, a year, we've, we've gone from uh, zeros to heroes. And heroes that everybody else likes as well. We're entertaining heroes. Yeah, we're we're getting uh, recognised for good things rather than just being diabolical. (laughs) Right, coming up in this show, we do the autopsy on the Manchester United game. Also, we will uh, look at the recent Villa news going into 2021 and the three points. uh, Take in uh, what Mr. Jose Mourinho has been saying, what Messi's been up to, and also uh, what Leeds United uh, have been doing on their social media. And... The uh, over or underrated, the first one of the year. We've gone with the Manchester United connection. We'll be uh, discussing the merits of Mr. Jemba Jemba. No merits. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for somebody to question the the word merits. Right, uh, Villa News. Not a lot happening. Obviously, we've had the holiday season. The first main thing is finally that game that was meant to kick off this season the trip to Manchester City has been rescheduled and uh, in a month that we already had five league games and a cup game now we've got uh, all in seven games we've played one obviously against Manchester United now we have to play Manchester City on January the 20th uh, which is a Wednesday 8.15 on BT Sport just add into uh, the toughness of this month. This is the month that will define us, will it not, in terms of where we end up? You would think so, yeah, just because the calibre of you know opposition we've got back to back to back and the fact that we've got you know a pretty incessant schedule. Um, yeah. You know, having to play, or obviously so starting the year against United, you're going to have to play City, Spurs, and a much improved Everton team, and then a couple of tricky little trips, aren't there, as well? I think it's, South, it's Southampton and Burnley as well. You're basically playing two teams that you've already played and failed to beat. Also, uh, it was announced, uh, I think it was last week, that Kalinic has uh, agreed to go off on loan to Hadjit Split, where he actually uh, first got kind of recognised initially, which something that you normally do for sentimental reasons at the end of your career. So this is going a bit early for him at his age to be going almost back to uh, ground zero to uh, start his career again. But uh, we'll see what happens there. And the third and final piece of villain news uh, of any worth is the fact that Wesley seems to be uh, a lot of in-house publicity on the Villa's social channels and website, uh, Wesley's in training, Wesley doing interviews, Wesley with a new haircut. Now, that would suggest that he is uh, incoming soon, but as we've seen uh, with Ross Barkley, which we'll discuss uh, shortly, uh, when it seems that a player's coming back doesn't necessarily mean he will be back. But hopefully Big Wes gets back soon because I think we need him. Uh, it'll be good to at least to, even if he's just making contributions for 10, 15 minutes uh, off the bench initially uh, would be useful in this month of January. It's just having another option, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you, cer- you certainly wouldn't waste the, waste the money on the hair dye, on beard dye if you weren't close to coming back. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we hope not. Right, let's get on to the three points. First point, I quite like Jose Mourinho's comments uh, 
about the Fulham Spurs game uh, being postponed. It was it was literally three hours before the kickoff, was it not? They were kind yeah, of sitting it was really around last minute, yeah, yeah. Where he uh, he put it on Instagram and he signed off with best league in the world <laughs> as a sarcastic jibe to uh, what he considered as unprofessional behaviour. I mean, our game against Newcastle and Everton, Manchester City. Uh, they they were postponed because of positive COVID nineteen cases, but with a lot more notice. I, I can't I can't quite believe why the Fulham players were tested so close to the game. If if it's like a routine test, surely it's like the day before or something. Yeah, the whole yeah, thing's just a bit shambolic. Or the fact that if surely you would know about this stuff much sooner in advance than six o'clock. It's just shambolic. Because, you know, if they are positive, then you've got to take uh, appropriate action. You can't be like testing players, getting results back a few hours before the bloody kickoff. It's uh, it's a bit of a, a weird one. But he, this round of Premier League testing, 18 players and strict staff tested positive, which is the highest amount since the tests begun. This prompted uh, big Sam Allardyce to call for a two-week circuit breaker. I think that's just because he wants to buy time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Because he's like, oh, shit, what have I... uh, Okay, I'm I'm banking a bit of cash here from West Brom, but uh, this actually is a shit show I've I've kind of signed up for here. Two-week break from the baggies is what he's after, essentially. I mean, another example, Lincoln City, who are top of uh, League One. Woohoo! Their manager, Michael Appleton, and goalkeeping coach, they both tested positive as well for COVID. So this is something that's happening, let's say, a little bit more frequent than you would like uh, in the football pyramid. I mean, everybody seems to suggest that football's set up for you know a robust testing system and uh, all the protocol that's actually in place. I think the thing with with uh, Jose was that he's there was no indication of how many Fulham players or staff or anything were actually affected by this. You know, like Man City had made it clear that this is this is spread through the training ground. Newcastle yeah. had said this is this is a real problem for us, and it had been coming on for an, a you know a, a reasonable period of time. Fulham, it was kind of like no one really knows if it's oh it's one player and we really don't fancy the game today. It's a very strange one that there's the, sort of the yeah. lack of disclosure really, and that's what a lot of managers. I think David Moyes had come out and said it. You know, he had to have a, a couple of guys for a game a few weeks ago out of the team because they were they tested positive but he just said we had to get on with the game you know the ruling says was it you have to have a is it a minimum of 14 to fulfill the match bottom line is if they uh did project restart then they'll definitely uh continue uh at the moment it's it's all about fulfilling uh multi multi-million pound contracts so yeah. uh at the moment, it will continue. Uh, number two, the footballing world has been congratulating Lionel Messi and recently for breaking Pele's record of 643 goals for one club. Um, Budweiser sent a bottle of beer for every goal that Messi had scored against them to select goalkeepers around the world, and some of them did quite well out of it. Uh, Diego, Alv- <laughs> Diego Alves got 21 and Iker Casillas got 17. And I know Casillas has had heart problems, but I'm um, sure 17 buds, it, it could be tempting at this time of year. <laughs> yeah, and hasn't uh, Pele's club, Santos, they published a, like a detailed account explaining uh, why Messi hadn't actually broken his yeah. record? Santos are trying to count Messi's goals and friendlies towards his Santos total, so that has added uh, 448 goals to the total. 
Yeah, I remember interviewing Pele when he released this uh, one of one of the you know hundred of documentaries about him. It's meant to be the definitive one, and I remember discussing that and that cropping up where they you know didn't have footage for all because he wanted footage of every goal he scored, and he was saying, well, a lot of them are friendly, so uh, they struggled. I think Zico had the same thing. I mean, these teams they got to realize that friendlies. The goals don't count. <laughs> it's as simple as that. So it's a bit of a strange one that they're flagging that up. Yeah, I'm still looking for footage of many of the goals that I scored over my career as well. <laughs> In friendlies. Uh, point number three. It's just like there's always a Twitter shitstorm about something. Karen Carney got singled out by Leeds in-house social media team where they had a picture of her and basically put the emoji stroke in the chin of what she'd said about them on Amazon Prime saying promoted because of COVID in uh, quote marks then they put a smiley face won the league by 10 points and then high prime video sport this is uh, I, I just think it's lowbrow shithousery from Leeds United because they did the same with Gabby they just took his tweets and then when they beat us 3-0 threw them out and I'm, I'm not into companies which they are trying to have this kind of uh, personality to, for engagement because it always bites you in the, the backside. But in this situation, they've just set her up for a pile-on and she deleted her Twitter account after, I think it was after three days of this uh, message going up. And I think it was just unfortunate wording by her that they could pull out the quote promoted because of COVID because she had a valid point. You know, she said they outrun everyone and credit to them. My only concern would be they blow up at the end of the season, which is a proven fact. You know, as she continued oh, yeah, to say, we saw, yeah, we saw that the last couple of seasons, I actually think they got promoted because of COVID in terms of it gave them a bit of a respite. I don't know if they would have got up if they didn't have that break. I mean, uh, in the season that we got up in the playoffs, we should have been playing them in the final. Where the fuck were they? Because they, you know, they they just self-destructed against Derby. Now, even though they were looking at reasonable, you wouldn't back, you know, you wouldn't necessarily lump on them getting promoted. And and she was right in what she said. And it's not as if uh, it wasn't rocket science. Other people had thought that. And you know, I distinctly remember thinking that when COVID broke out, and I looked at the league table, and I thought this actually benefits Leeds for the way they play. Yeah, the, the whole thing's just small time, and then for yeah, and then for their chairman as well to come out and say, "I take full responsibility for the club tweet. I consider the comment completely unnecessary and disrespectful." I mean, y- you don't see chairman of any big clubs even going anywhere near Twitter, let alone commenting yeah. something as small as that. I mean, if she if she'd been malicious to them and said, oh, you know, that, you know, Bielsa, what's he fucking won? They only got promoted because of COVID. Then, you know, fair enough, have a go back. But this was just analysis and a valid point. And it is just small time. I mean, you can sometimes uh, criticize a club for being a bit bland and everybody gives them props if they do actually say something funny but don't get small time like this it's, it just reeks of uh it's just some fucking marketing prick wearing whatever the fashionable shoe is at the moment whether it's monk strap or chelsea boots wearing their like drain pipe trousers all these like marketing clones and they're trying to have a personality through fucking social media the problem with football and a lot of football fans don't really see it from where you look at football but behind the scenes it's just getting increasingly all about data and marketing and uh, these people don't really have a football soul I'll keep it simple it's Leeds United acting like pricks for a change <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah or uh, that Buddhism right uh, 
Before we crack on to the Manchester United game, I just want to say a big thank you to all of my Mansard patrons who have supported us in the difficult year of 2020. We will be uh, revamping things for this year with uh, an extra channel of uh, podcast offerings rather than just ad hoc extra shows as well as uh, Match Club which continues on strongly and uh, has been uh, a bit of a saving grace for this behind the closed doors uh, football I mean speaking personally as well but it has actually been genuinely a, a good experience so thank you all for being involved with that if you want to uh, become a My Man Said patron and support us in 2021 and join in uh, with Match Club and get access to the extra podcast channel as well please go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link to see the details there thank you very much uh, to dom who signed up uh, on an annual membership if you sign up as an annual patron you save two months uh, i think it's 15 percent. and also thank you to adam up richard and sean barnes for joining as normal patrons as well over the christmas period thank you very much Right, Manchester United match reaction. First thing, I've been looking forward to this game all Christmas because I thought, finally, Barkley's going to be back. We'll take them on. Mings is back. Barkley's back. Full strength. Let's have you. First thing, Barkley wasn't there, not even on the bench. So you're thinking, what the hell's going on? Because uh, he didn't play against West Brom because apparently it was too cold. And they didn't (laughs) want to risk him because it was too cold. Then Smith said uh, he was definitely playing against uh, Crystal Palace. And then he wasn't there. Luckily, I mean, this this kind of level of opponents, we, we've got by without him. And then, it, so you're expecting, because he's had an extra game's rest, because obviously he can't figure for the Chelsea game, and then a no-show for the Manchester United game, and you're thinking, well, actually, these are the games that we actually need him for, and why we're paying exorbitant wages. And now he's missed more games than he's actually played for us. Uh, any comments about this? I mean, Smith has said after this game, and I mean, the reaction to this quote from most fans has been, you know, believe it when we see it now, is that he will play against Spurs. But, you know, that's uh, it's a week or so away. Frustrating? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. It was the... Y- y- I understand if you if you sort of you want to ease a player, especially a player of Barkley's caliber back, and you think we don't want to take any risks. I, I totally respect that, yeah. but if you if you just be blunt about it and say before the Man United, you know, the Man United game, I you know is when asked, I know is it too soon for Ross? All you have to go is yeah, I think it might be a bit too soon, and then the fans go, all right, fair enough. Yeah, you don't have to yeah. you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to give the game away. There's a philosophy that says well, you keep the opponents guessing, but you're going back to West Brom and you're saying. When you're saying that yeah, it's a bit cold, we didn't want to risk it. That means okay, they're gonna. He's, he's in the next game. Are you going to play this game? Because we've seen it before from Villa with uh, Grealish, with McGinn, and we're not we're not talking about you know days. We're talking about weeks and months here. Mm-hmm. When it happened, the first thing in your head was, I hope that's not a bad one. Even the minor one, it's going to be six weeks. Smith comes straight yeah. out, straight out and says, "Oh, it's going to be a couple of weeks. It's just a tweak." I mean, he didn't he didn't need to say anything. He just needed to say, "Yeah, we'll we'll monitor it or something like that." Yeah, just saying nothing's better than saying anything because there is a two way thing. It's like, yes, okay, you want to keep the opponents guessing, but uh, also the fans. I mean, luckily here we're not paying money to see you know to see these games uh, in the flesh. So. So, uh, you know, you, you mainly go and see your club, but, you know, sometimes you might, if you're a more, let's say, a more casual fan and you're wanting to go and see Barkley, you're thinking, well, he's definitely playing in the United game or the Palace game and you pay your ticket money and go. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I must admit, I was pissed off when uh, I found out he wasn't in the team because 
you were led down the path to suggest that he was there. Anyway, so without him, I mean, you're thinking we're, we're looking, you know, we're still all right. We're a cut above what we used to be. But I was thinking, I don't think we beat United today without him. That was my, and it's the same against Chelsea. I think we beat Chelsea if Barkley plays. Obviously, he couldn't play because it's his parent club. So that's the kind of level that Barkley takes us and how he was interacting with Grealish to get that crazy result against Liverpool and to beat Arsenal convincingly. He takes you up that level where you can take these teams on head to head. I mean, we, you know, we gave Manchester United a good ride for their money, but it's just that little extra, little extra cutting edge quality, as uh, Alan Hansen used to say, that can get you, get you the result. If it does it to us, you can imagine the lift it gives to the, the opposition as well and to see things like that. I mean, United probably were preparing all week for Barkley to be playing unless there's text messages and backhand yeah. things going on. Yeah, so from their point of view, they don't mind either way, really, because uh, they're, they're ready for him, but then they get a lift if he's not there. It's not as if, oh no, we've been wrong-footed. How are we going to beat Villa now? Because we've prepared for Barkley. It's like, well, they're not as good without him, so... Uh, it's it's kind of a kidology that doesn't really work in the end. Anyway, uh, getting into uh, the game, I think we were kind of slow starters in this. Yeah, I think um, the the way United set up, it's it's strange. It's 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 quite basic. It's um, I I said uh, in match club, it's United are so pacey across the whole team that they can afford to like drop drop off or they can afford to even you know make a mistake or lose ball because the pace up front and midfield it gets just gets them out of any trouble so there were it's not that villa couldn't get near them it's united didn't bother going near villa because they knew whenever they had to they just you know turned on the afterburners and just sped up a bit and that was it that was it it was a strange first you know 15 20 minutes yeah, they, they, you could tell United didn't necessarily want to commit too many forward, but actually Villa allowed them to because our passing in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes was a bit scratchy at best. And we kept getting caught in transition, which, I mean, that was a, a problem when we played them in the you know, the 3-0 defeat back in the summer. Yeah. Um, and you, you always thought Man U would probably have an extra gear, which they did go through it at certain points throughout the game. But you never thought Man U had really really concerted pressure for longer than sort of five minute spells but they almost didn't need to you almost felt they were actually they had that little bit of bite in their attack that at any given point they can go through a gear and and then hurt you and then they don't have to they can pull back I thought Villa had to play a slightly more controlled game which took sort of 15 minutes or so to, to actually grow into the game but I think once we actually grew into the game got our foot on the ball and started passing it around and trying to play our way I thought we looked pretty good I think there was a yeah. chance relatively early on after Manu had had a couple of half chances and stuff um, and he thought okay we're, we're in the game here we can actually hurt them and you know, you, that was the first of uh, you know, Matty Cash's great deliveries of which he would have probably two or three through the game he had you know, a really good game um, yeah, just I mean, just to give a bit of context, I mean, uh, Manchester United have lost just one of their last forty-three Premier League games against Villa. That's one thirty-one drawn eleven, and uh, they're unbeaten in the last fifteen since a game I actually went to uh, the Villa one-nil Gabby winner in December two thousand and nine. But it was interesting, like Solskjaer mentioned uh, pre-match the the friendly that we beat them in because they put put out a decent team. So he knew early doors that this was a different 
kind of animal and would have you know accorded us respect and what i was surprised once phil had got into the game was how much cash and target were actually getting purchased and, and getting up and, and and attacking and some of our best stuff was actually coming from uh, our fullbacks uh, getting in advanced positions i think united flooded the middle of the park and you saw in the team selection man you had made changes and brought fred and mctominay in to just sit and to try and deal with what louise jack and um mcginn would sort of bring through the middle of the park which probably freed up a little bit of space out wide for the two certainly the two fullbacks I think our two wingers were probably pushed on it was almost like a front three at times but as you said certainly cash and target they always had um an overlap yeah just looking at it I mean it's I don't think it's a tactical masterclass from Solskjaer at all I just the amount of times that Maguire or any of their players just got the ball and hoofed it up front, knowing that they've Martial and Rashford to just latch onto something yeah, and take them. They've always got an out ball, haven't they? Yeah, they've always got an out ball. I mean, as well, I mean, you've seen Pogba and Fernandez dropping deep, and even they were smashing the ball. Maybe a bit unkind to say hoof when it's those two doing it because they were playing ping balls into the corners, and you just seen um, yeah. United get, get advancing up the pitch, just playing like percentage football, just doing whatever they had to to win. I mean, they are ridiculously fast. You don't really uh, notice them until you're playing against them. And, uh, you know, Rashford also, half of it, he's, he's going through past players and, and you would say it's dribbling, but it's it's like, I don't know, FIFA, where you've just got somebody who's got like speed 100 and you notice it as soon as he gets the ball. It's like different level. Well, we saw, I mean, we saw that for the opening goal, didn't we? You know, we had a free kick in a in a promising position, made a complete hash of it during the breakaway. They go pop, 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 two or three passes. You know, Rashford, I think it is, with a great touch, frees up Juan Bissaka, who's also very quick, gets into a good position. Obviously, Mings misses his header, and um, and the ball ends up in the net. You know, they they they, they turn defence into attack, you know, very quickly, and they know that Villa can do the same. So it was always going to potentially be a bit of a you know a bit of a game of pinball, which it was at times, which made for quite a good game. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Because in the early stages, I thought Bailey, uh, I thought he shepherded Watkins pretty well, dealt, yeah. dealt with him. But Jack had 83 touches, which is back to what he was doing like in the championship, for example. Seeing a lot lot more of the ball, uh, 
he's normally about 60% of that in the Premier League so far this season. So a lot was coming through Jack just because he had that freer role centrally. And I think that's why they flooded the midfield uh, in their in their setup initially to obviously stifle him where, wherever he would pop up. And he was popping up on the right quite a lot. Obviously, last time we played them, he had success uh, on the left-hand side. But the good, I mean, the good news is when we went 1-0 down was again like against Chelsea was the reaction. It, you didn't feel like it was game set and match over as it has been in you know previous encounters with them in recent years where you know once the the first goal goes in the, the dam is broken no i mean that's one of the, the the big things we've we spoke about previously um you know after chelsea and other moments through the season is that this version of villa you you always feel that they're they're still in the game yeah because we've always got a chance and generally speaking, we've always got a goal in us. You know, it's, it's very seldom we fail to score. Yeah, I mean, we were down from our average this season in terms of shots, but still 14 away at Old Trafford is uh, five on target compared to their 19 shots, nine on target is is decent. I mean, that's like, a, you know, it's a kind of a 50-50-ish. Uh, we had more possession than them, uh, slugfest. Yeah, certainly, certainly in the second half, especially where it was really you know, end-to-end. It was a, you know, a cracking half of football, the second, second yeah. half. You could see um, our goal as well, quick thinking from a, a quick free kick. And Traore had an identical chance that he missed against Burnley. So he's learned to you know, take the shot quicker whenever it comes to you at the back, even if you do you have to stop it with your right before putting it in with your left. So yeah. it's good sign that he's learning. Apart from that free kick that he took, which uh, I'm it's still, still trying to yeah. work. <laughs> it's still in the air. <laughs> still trying to work out what he was doing because we actually, you know, free kick on the edge of the box we flooded the box you know for a, almost like a you just blast it as hard as you can grass cutter in the front you know probably level with this six yard box and see what happens but it was he had a bit of a rush to the rush to the head but you know it's, this is the difference of uh, a team that's at the real top top and one that's probably just going to finish in the top half is you've got to take chances like that or at least you know ask questions from those situations because we have been reckless in uh, you know in moments in that game when we've actually done the hard work I think that's one of the things that the Smith will take out of it and, and unfortunately he's taken from other games and it, it's it's the main reason why we the reality is we probably won't be in that upper echelon of the table come the end of the season because we do have that individual error in us. We do have that tendency sometimes to play ourselves into trouble. And while you know there has been clearly you know, huge progress, and there's there's a the overall picture for Villa is clearly one of being very positive. There we we do still have that knack, don't we, of sort of just hitting the self destruct button. And even if it's only for a split second, unfortunately, with the caliber of attacking players we're coming up against at the moment, you are going to get punished. And unfortunately, we do. Which is unfortunate for someone like Martinez, you know, who had yet another great game. I mean, yeah. wasn't and wasn't at fault for either of the goals. The first goal, Ming's misjudgment. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way he ended up, he obviously missed it. But it's 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 all about you know positioning and uh, reading what's happening there. Uh, I mean, I think he's getting a lot of stick. Uh, I mean, just casually glancing on social media. I think that. that's but, a that, bit, I but that's just that's social media, isn't it? You make yeah. one mistake, it just gets heightened. I, th- I think it's because he's 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 had the odd mistake in him so far, and he's and he's considered one of the talisman players for the club. But all of a sudden, Courtney Hawes has come into the team and done pretty well. It's kind of like, well, hang on a minute, earn your place back, which I see both sides of it. But the reality is, Mings is the senior player. You're not going to drop him if he's fit, are you? Yeah. Somebody raised the question, Match Club, would you uh, would you have kept Hawes in? I said, no, I would have been surprised if uh, if Mings wasn't in that first eleven. Plus, with the, the the other games coming up, I think the reality is Hawes will play in the cup game against Liverpool. Yeah, if anything, when Mings makes these mistakes, he's... 
he was trying to get too, you know, too technically good a header in that ball. I mean, he's he's twisted his body, he's bent down and everything else, and he's just got his head into the right position to do that. But by the time he's done that, the ball just misses it by a split second. You know, if he'd have moved across, got his chest in the way or something like that, or just, you know, got anything in front of it instead of trying to get it clear perfectly each time. It's just, yeah. you know, it's decision making. Yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, his head is at the other end. You could point the blame more there. I mean, there was a few mischance, headed chances to be specific uh, throughout the game. I mean, we joke that Courtney Hawes was very good at winning the header, but in terms of where the header went, he had a bit of a 50p head. But uh, some of the directing of the headers, I think Watkins had a good chance, Mings also. Davis is probably a bit of a 50-51. But uh, on another day, you know, one of those might have uh, ended up in the back of the net. I think De Gea made a few good saves, actually. He made as many saves as uh, Martinez. I mean, the save from uh, from Watkins from point blank range is a brilliant save. Yeah, then there's one from Cash at the end when we were searching for the equaliser. I actually thought both keepers played pretty well for the most part. I don't think they were yeah. either of them were at fault for, for the goals. Yeah, but yet again, I mean, a decent game of football was uh, kind of thrown on it on its head. And this is something we uh, as the videos come out that when Luke Shaw blazes into the box earlier on, Pogba's signalling to him to you know. If you get into that position, just dive. And that's caught on camera. And then, you know, you only have to go forward a few minutes. And Pogba's in the box. And this is my reading from watching that video so many times. He moves his leg out and brushes the back of Louise's leg to establish contact. And then that leg trips his own leg off and he and he goes down. And it, these things, if you play them in slow motion, you can obviously create the narrative. But it, it looks like he's created that. And it's like something you train for and if you look at the Manchester United stats and how many penalties they've got they're way up there and I think they're looking for these and you could tell by Pogba's uh, sign to Shaw earlier on that it's like you know it's almost like you know remember if you get in this position go down because what they've been doing that all season they've been doing it for a couple of seasons haven't they Mm-hmm. He just he just bounces he just bounces his leg off Louise that's what it does bounce it off Louise yeah. and then throw it behind my own and down a go Louise is not the proactive or, you know, the aggressor or the instigator in, in any of this conversation. Unfortunately, because he's because he's so close to Pogba, he's kind of allowed himself, and this is kind of what Smith said, you know, because Smith said he thought it was a penalty straight away because Louise had got so close to him. He's allowed himself to get suckered in. And then, of course, when that happens, you, you know, the, the cliche thing of, well, you're giving the referee a decision to make. And normally when it comes to a but then know, what United at home, say? he's going to give it. Well, then, of course, he sees, you know, he sees it on the replay and it looks it looks shambolic. Yeah. Um, and uh, the more, you know, the more you look at it, the more shambolic it is. And this is a whole idea of what VAR, you know, because in the moment, it could look like a penalty. And that's the whole idea of VAR yeah, is you meant to look yeah. at it and go, nah, yeah, that's full, not a penalty. Yeah, at full speed, it all looks a bit clumsy, doesn't it? Or mm-hmm. at least, uh, you know, get to the monitor. You need to uh, you need to take a second look at that. I think it's it's just a shame, though, to, you know, to go to Old Trafford when, you know, Villa have had a, a number of difficult away trips already you know, the first half of the season and done really, really well. And, and we've said this in various games. That if you lose to a worldie, like for example at Chelsea, you know, if that Chilwell volley in the last minute goes in, you go, you hold hold your hands up and go, fair play. You know, if if Pogba pings one in from thirty yards, or they have a twenty thirty pass move that cuts you open, or whatever it may be, you kind of go, fair play, man. But when you've lost to a very avoidable counter attack goal from your own attacking position. And it's a pretty shambolic piece of defending, let's be frank. And then with a crappy VAR decision, when United had more than enough good chances and where you know Martinez has made good saves, you just sort of think, well, lose a game 
in a manner that isn't quite so frustrating. Lose yeah, to a, a moment of excellence. And obviously following on from our previous encounter with them, when they got another dubious penalty, which at that time, I think it was nil-nil, was it not? And it we was, were very, yeah, that, very much in the game and playing and, pretty yeah, well. And Villa lost their heads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could see the penalty this in this game. I wouldn't say it was as bad because I think we are mentally a much stronger team now, but you could see it rocked Villa and they were clearly very frustrated through the yeah. game. I mean, I think it was, it was uh, Matic, wasn't it? He had about 10 fouls on Grealish before he got a yellow card. And there was a period of about 10 minutes where they were creating chances and it just looked like it was going to be 3-1 and game over. But then Villa managed, as you said, you know, they're a bit more mature now, mentally stronger, and they managed to turn the tide. And, you know, they looked like they were the ones that were going to get the equaliser if anybody was going to score. And that's what you, that's what you take from the game, isn't it? Ultimately, you'll, you'll take the positives and Smith will. Luckily, they've got, you know, a seven-day break, isn't it, now? And they'll... They'll analyse the, the good things they did, but they do still need to be that little bit more clinical defensively, yeah. I would say. And also in attack. And, and that was, that's why I was a bit pissed that Barkley wasn't there because I think he brings that to you. Yeah. Well, he's a, goal, he's a goal threat. And also I think he gives you that little bit more control of the ball. It's, I, I, I always thought Jack... He actually, Jack had a really, really good game. But you yeah. almost, you almost thought if he had someone to scheme with a little bit more because Louise was playing a bit deeper and McGinn was sort of running around and he was having to put you know a lot of miles in if Jack had someone to just bounce off a bit more you'd actually think he could have probably caused him a few more problems because I, I still think as, as much as Man United have got a lot of firepower I think they're there for the taking like pretty much let's be frank every team in the league this year I don't think anybody's particularly great defensively we're actually yeah. one of the better the better defensive teams yeah I think uh, McGinn was having a good uh, first first hour at least uh, where you know he was uh bossing the United midfield and giving them, you know, problems in terms well, of was, United, United trying to get any f- kind of foothold in there. Yeah, he's really found his real nasty streak, hasn't he, in the last few weeks. And you're sort of seeing him doing the, the you know the physical, the dirty stuff really, really well. You know, I mean, he, I think he really relished the battle with, you know, McTominay and Fred. And then he was the, the battle he had one-to-one with Pogba was great to watch at times. Uh, sorry, just going back to the penalty, it's quite funny with Gary Neville saying that that was poor from Louise. I mean, it's, uh, I think football can be subjective, but uh, that was definitely uh, Manchester United goggles on there. The, the only person that was poor from was um, the PGMO, PGMOL Muppet that was in charge, Michael Oliver, again. I mean, he this this is where it gets you. It's the consistency, because he was the referee in charge of the Brighton game at Villa whenever he gave the penalty for Trezeguet and then went over to the monitor and changed his mind. I mean, he, I mean it's at Old Trafford. The monitor must be broken. That yeah. was the interesting one, wasn't it? Actually, that I mean, we, we're not going to dwell on this, but the fact that he didn't actually go and have a look at it, yeah, you know, it was actually cleared quite quickly. Was um, uh, you know, I, I refer back to the the Palace Boxing Day decision, which was a fantastic refereeing decision. I think that was how they used the technology superbly. It was a very tight decision. He thought he'd made the right decision, and he confirmed it. it was normally when they go to the monitor, you think it's going to get overturned and a penalty will be given, and you thought actually if he'd have gone and had a look, you think mm, would he have would he have stood with his decision then? Yeah. Probably not. Uh, Smith wasn't happy with the first half uh, in his post-match. He said we were miles off the levels where we have been. It felt like a testimonial pace. Then they deservedly had the lead at half-time. I told the players they needed to be upping our levels. Uh, I think that yeah, that was kind of fair. Although I was, uh, as, as we mentioned, I thought the fullbacks were doing very well in terms of getting forward because it was. It's not like the old old days where you you know your fullbacks have got to be a bit more conservative because you you're very wary of uh, the united attacking threat we just took the game to them at times and each team had periods of you know 10 15 minutes where they they seemed to be in control and they had to use those periods to actually win the game 
and in the end, uh, all United did was, uh, you know, forge that penalty, which uh, Smith described as dubious, and that was the clinching moment. We didn't take advantage when we had control. No, and then you've seen from, what, about 80 minutes on or so, uh, it, you could have been playing against a Ferguson United team that just shut the game down, rotated files. You know, Matage comes on, you know, yep. you, you know that's what they're going for. My only gripe was we had a few, last five minutes at least we were pushing it. We had a few corners. Would you have put Martinez up there in the mixer? I was quite surprised he didn't he didn't go up for the corner like later on, like injury time. Probably the pace of Rashford and Martial, you wouldn't be going too far because they only need to get the ball in their own half and where nobody's catching them. Yeah, but it, it's it's like it's double a quit, so isn't it? Because you're losing anyway, so it doesn't matter if they score another one. That was my only thought then was like if you're really really chasing it, you throw your keeper up there as well. Well, it's like you know, it's like Schmeichel used to do, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm I don't mind that. I think you know what, go for broke. If you lose three one, you're going to lose anyway. Yeah, uh, and and I and I mean, I think Villa tried to do it a few times, but I just thought just put it under the goalkeeper. You know, De Gea does have a flap in him at times, and I thought you know for the number of set pieces we had, and we did have a lot, and we so we waste and, them, and, and we were so wasteful. You know, Cash put a brilliant ball in. There were a couple of really good ones, but then there was also some absolute garbage, especially in the first half. Yeah, that Traore one being the, the highlight of and them that's, all. And that's the one thing that I think last season what we found, especially after Project Restart, was when you needed something to be, to happen, that's where you, you call on Horahan. Yeah. Because his set-piece delivery, he, he has that knack of giving you something a little bit different. I don't necessarily think Man United is the game for him because I think the pace of it can pass him by. But when you're chasing the game and you need to make something happen, why not compared to sort of Jacob Ramsey? I think, you know, Corahan, if you get a set piece in a good position and he's a goal threat, and if he gets a chance, you'd fancy him to bury it himself. And I just think, why not for 10 minutes? Because the interesting thing is with, with Horahan, I mean, you suggested there he's not up for the pace of it. When we played United at Old Trafford last time, you know, they, they still were a pacey team. And we actually controlled most of that game and looked great. And it's uh, in, in the two-two, and in the end, uh, that you're kicking yourself for not winning that game. But Horahan was part of that midfield, and we had dominated that game in midfield, which was a bit of a surprise at the time. So it's interesting how he's fallen so fast from grace. I mean, you know, Ross Barkley doesn't help, but it, you know, he doesn't. Uh, Ross Barkley's been out for a, you know, was it seven games now, and Horahan yeah. has, has not even had a sniff. Nope. I mean, I think the the Liverpool, you know, the upcoming Liverpool Cup game could be really important for Harahan because if he doesn't get an opportunity or take that opportunity, he's going to find it very difficult once Barkley's back and now yeah. Ramsey's ahead of him to get a spot in the team. I mean, if any player's still making a claim and they and they do what they did against Stoke in the League Cup, then they can forget about it. They they do need to uh, turn up in that game. Right. Uh, any final words on this game? No, it was just typical. It's just- painful as ever playing United I don't know whether it's a mental block when they see that badge or anything else it's just the the game always seems to something like this always happens I mean we, we did all say at the start of the season we really wanted to beat United at Villa Park so I'll save that for later in the year and if you're going to beat them you want to do it when you can like really destroy their season yeah, but I mean, you know, in front of a crowd, it doesn't matter if it's home and away when there's no crowds in, in my book. But uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that we're angry about it was, uh, it's, it's kind of a positive. It's not like you're just shrugging your shoulders because we know there's enough, we're up another level now where, you know, we have expectations and we go into games knowing that we, we've got a chance of winning. Like if, if we're in a, if we were playing our full strength team in a cup competition, we know that we could probably take on anybody in this league, which is a, a big positive on, you know, in over 90 minutes, shall I say. 
Yeah, and, that, and that's why I think January is going to be such an important month for the season because I, I do think, and you've already said, that by the end of the month, I think you'll have a really good idea of where we're going to realistically be. Yeah. Right, on to the first under or overrated of the year. I don't know how long we'll keep going with this uh, section, but uh, let's connect it to Manchester United. And this week's is Mr. Eric Jumba Jumba. Remember him? Just about. Mm. Struggling. You, you didn't get the DVD compilation of all his appearances for Villa. Funnily enough, no, it was the <laughs> David O'Leary era, wasn't it? Which I've tried to erase from my mind, to be honest. Yeah. Why did Why did we buy Jumba Jumba? Apart from we wanted to donate one and a half million to Manchester United's uh, Premier League winning campaigns. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> I have no idea. This is like, is it, what's it called? Wonder, not Wonderless, Stardust or where you think, oh, well, Alex Ferguson once bought him. So he can't be that crap. It just, you know, he's just not getting in that team because that team's too good. You know, Keane's keeping him out still. So I can see the Villa logic here. Oh, this is like a fringe player of Man United. But he might come good here. Yeah, because he'll get game time here. And, you know, you've had Alex Ferguson quoted as saying, you know, he's quick, aggressive and a good passer of the ball. He looks like a Manchester United player in every sense. And, I, you know, I remember for all the kerfuffle when we signed somebody you know, there's always like quotes out of other players and other teams and managers talking about how great these players are. I mean, it's all fucking, you know, marketing to uh, dupe the fans into uh, the transfer. But in this case, uh, it's, you know, it's like if we buy anybody from a top team, they must be a good player. It's almost uh, a knee jerk reaction. And we got completely suckered by this one. Well, it was an era, wasn't it, where Doug Ellis had really, he was, he was trying to sell the club at that point And the money to spend was just not there. So the signings we had over a couple of seasons were truly woeful. This was an era of like, you know, Gabor Kirali and people like that. And we were just, it just that wasn't was, happening. That was after though. It's the season after, yeah. But it was that era we just bought such uninspiring players. When you think back to like Eric Backer and those Yeah, but this guy, things. Jemba Jemba, he, he was the new Roy Keane. Mm. All right. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> I wonder what Roy Keane thought about that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he only played 11 games for Villa. I mean, for United, he, um, he played 20 league games, 39 in all, and probably a few substitute appearances in there, scored twice. But for Villa, he, he hardly featured at all. He was actually loaned out to Burnley at one stage and then had his contract terminated, which is never a, a good sign. But at one stage, and there was all this uh, tabloid headlines that he was on 75k a week at United which uh, I think it was a month, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that, was, that was bollocks. And then he had like 30 bank accounts and he had 10 cars and he was paying off so much debt that he had to rely on win bonuses and appearance fees and obviously he wasn't getting those uh, appearance fees because he wasn't playing. And, uh, you know, he, he was in a bit of a uh, financial spiral. But then uh, once he got... Villa got rid of him. He just turned into probably the ultimate journeyman that I've ever seen when you look at his... Uh, Globally. Yeah, like insane. I mean, he literally, he went to Qatar, he went to Israel, Scotland, <laughs> with St. Mirren, where he, he only played like two games. India. India, Indonesia as well. I mean, the only team he ever got any traction with was uh he played for is it Odense, BK in Denmark, where he played over 100 games. And apart from that, 
he was just getting, I mean, less than 10, in, well, in the, the latter part of his career. Anyway, where, where is he now? Well, some would say he's found his level. And looking at it, I'm, I'm thinking he's at my level as well. So um, <laughs> he's in the, and he's the same what age. Is your, what is your level, Phil? Well, currently my level would probably be the, the fifth tier of, Switch, of Switzerland with FC Valorbe. <laughs> because he has just, and when he's talking about his um, playing ability at the minute, he, he just sounds like what I was like, even at my peak. He goes, um, I was just, I just love playing. And when I finish training, I'm happy to carry the balls and the water bottles. I mean, there's been many a time I was carrying the water bottles. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bless him. But he still plays today. But I don't know if financially if he's getting anything from that. It's just, it's probably just uh, to keep his head above water. It's probably to keep his green card for Switzerland. Yeah. But he, he's a bit of a, I think Jean Macu too reminded me a bit of uh, Jemba Jemba. He's like kind of rel- and even Carlos Sanchez to a certain extent. This kind of relaxed, deep lying midfielder who's meant to be a bit of an enforcer, but uh, they never really uh, could sink into Villa's style or e- even the English game. I don't think. And I think Jemba Jemba is probably the worst of them all. Yeah, so bad they named them twice. So underrated or overrated? Overrated, man. Easy. Fucking unrated. <laughs> The new Roy Keane overrated. <laughs> right then, let's leave that there. It was just good to get him mentioned in the show. Yeah, reminders of United shitting on us again. Yeah, no, exactly. They're taking money from us. Another One, raw deal. The Red Devils. There's a reason why they have a devil. I think it's just aimed at Aston Villa, personally. I don't know if other teams have the same issues with them. I mean, I know Liverpool and Leeds don't like them, but surely they haven't suffered as much as Villa fans. Right, anyway, we will beat them at Villa Park. You heard it here first. Right, thank you very much for joining us. We will be back for all of the six other contests in the month of January. Until then, stay safe, stay hopeful, and let's hope 2021 is the year that 2020 wasn't. Until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 